0: Our scripture reading this morning is Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 16, which is located in your church Bibles on 737. Please stand, if you're able, as we read from the Old Testament. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me, till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know what you can show me, its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then the Ariok made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Please be seated.
1: Well, good morning. My name is Alan Pickett. And my wife, Tracy, and I are uh, on staff with an organization called Resource Exchange International. The initials are REI. We're the other REI. (laughs) We're based in Colorado Springs. We just returned from uh, about six weeks out there doing uh, biannual training for new staff and apprentices, uh, as well as uh, summer interns. Um, We are going to be moving out there. And, but we will be back uh, as often as we can. We are so grateful that many of you are our supporters as well as the church itself. And so we wanna come back and tell you the good news about what REI is doing uh, around the world. You can, if you wanna find us on the web, it's reiinc.org. So it's an honor to uh, bring God's word Uh, to you today. We'll continue to be in prayer for Steve and his family uh, as they go through all that has to happen uh, following the death of his father. So as we look at our passage this morning, we're going to be looking at Daniel 2. Um, I want to show that how God can use the dream of a king to show that God's plans are guaranteed to come to fruition and bring him glory. It's a good reminder that God is a creative God. Sometimes his creativity may interrupt our lives with a new friend, a new co-worker, a new neighbor. Sometimes our lives are interrupted with sudden job loss, and in Daniel's case, taken into captivity the rest of his earthly life. But sometimes those of us here have been interrupted by a disease or the death of a loved one. And we're always in the process of examining who is this God? Who is this God that demands worship above all other things? But also who is this God that shows us such intimate love and care for his creation? So much so that he would send his son to die on the cross for us so that we would not perish but have eternal life and as Steve uh, pointed out last week in his message, uh, that God gives the church to the world, and God gives the world to the church, and the two are inexplicably linked. We are here for a purpose. We have a mission. We have a message. So as I was looking at this passage and with the overarching theme of dreams, I began to search and, and I found the, the story of a Middle Eastern man who came to a refugee camp and he was really disturbed. He got there early in the morning and he sought out a pastor at the camp and he told him, He said, I had, I had this dream and there was a man dressed in white who held out his hand and he said, Stand up and follow me. And I said, Well, who are you? He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. So we began to ask the pastor, do you know who this is? What am I supposed to do? Why did he ask me to follow him? Where am I going? Can you tell me? In response, the pastor held out a Bible to him and said, do you know what this is? And the guy says, no. And he said, so you've never read this book? And the man said, no. The pastor then opened to Revelation 1-8 where it read, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the, and the end. And the man started crying and said, what do I do? How can I follow this man? So the pastor led him in a prayer and a supernatural peace came over him. And then the pastor gave him a Bible. And he said, you know, make sure you keep this hidden because most of the people here are Muslims because we know in those kind of communities, it's very dangerous uh, to be a Christian. But the man replied, the Jesus I met today, he's more powerful than any Muslim. And later on, he brought 10 men back with him who also asked for Bibles. So we all have dreams and they have different impact. Maybe most of us have not had a dream so significant, but we know that those dreams are happening. Jesus is appearing to people. But Jesus doesn't do the whole mission himself. He still relies on us to complete that message. But oftentimes our dreams are just kind of (laughs) weird. They might even be science fiction. I have a friend who probably should write science fiction books based on his dreams. Other ways we can use dreams, we can dream like Martin Luther King. We can dream about another life or a vacation. We can dream about a white christmas <laughs> we can daydream in class when this instructor drones on and on or during a boring sermon but that doesn't happen here some believe that dreams every dream has significance and they say well if you dream about water you're you're thinking about this if you dream about falling you're thinking about this if whatever they, they attach some type of meaning to that in the scriptures there are lots of dreams and visions we know the book of Revelation, John sees the same vision that the Muslims saw, right? He saw Jesus. He saw a man dressed in white. We know that Peter had a dream of a vision of a tablecloth dropping out of heaven with all this food, take up and eat. And he was disturbed about that. We know Mary and Joseph had dreams or a vision of the angel Gabriel telling them about the birth of Jesus, their son, Jesus, the Messiah, and also another dream, hey, you got to leave, you got to go to Egypt. Another dream, oh, you can come back now. They had a lot of dreams. And the prophets, many had a lot of dreams and visions. God somehow communicated so that this book would be written with his word through the personalities of these men. So this morning we're going to examine the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. And not, we're not going to so much examine the dream, I had to take something out. Because people don't like to stick around for an hour and a half sermon. So we're not going to look at the dream itself, but we're going to look at God's power, God's creativity, how God works with people. And, uh, you know, so you can call Steve up when he comes back and ask him about the dream. Let's pray as we look into this passage. Father, this morning we have sung praises to you. We have confessed our sins to you. We have given you our tithes and offerings and father as we come ready to hear what your word has to say may we be receptive may your holy spirit prick our hearts when necessary if we need to be convicted may we leave here ready to do something that maybe we were hesitant about but all in all may we leave here a little bit different than when we came in a little more knowledgeable a little more maybe more questions about what you require of us, but certainly the most important thing is that we would know something more about you and that we would be drawn into worship of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the king has a dream. It's not a good dream. He's disturbed and he calls all his staff together, the magicians, the enchanters, The astrologers, certainly no shortage of dark arts going on around there. And I'm not sure what each of their uh, job descriptions were, but Nebuchadnezzar believed that if anybody has the answer, if anybody can do what he's going to ask him, it's going to be these guys. So up to this time, he must have been pretty impressed with with what they were doing because they still had their jobs. So the king, desperate... Desperate for an interpretation, demands not only that they interpret the dream, but they tell him the dream. This had never been done. In all the history that they knew knew of, this had never been done. And maybe this was the only time that these guys ever told the king the truth. There is no one on earth who can do this. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar said, this is what I firmly decided then. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I'll have you cut into pieces. And your house is turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you'll receive gifts and rewards and great honor. Terror. Death if you can't. Great reward if you can. And as I began studying this, well, what does this mean? It was a terrible death. There's a possibility of this place where they had four maybe like palm-type trees that were kind of flexible, and they would pull the tree down from the top, tie a rope to it, tie it to his arm. The other one, they tie a rope down, and then his leg, and so they're spread out, and then they cut the rope, and they're pulled into four pieces. I guess I should have said this sermon was PG-13, but um, the other way, would they would just be hacked to death. Whatever it was, it going to be terrible death a terrible death if they couldn't do these things. Maybe Nebuchadnezzar up to this point was suspicious of their powers. And maybe Nebuchadnezzar didn't even remember the dream himself. He was just so terrorized by this feeling. I know I had a dream And I've I've done that. I've woken up and I've gone, man, that dream was elaborate. Well, what was it? I don't know. I just know I was here and there and everywhere and slowly over the course of the day. And I guess I'm probably grateful that the images kind of disappear. Because dreams can be pretty wacky. But it's also, I think, as Nebuchadnezzar is going after advice from these magicians and enchanters and astrologers, it shows how limited Satan's power is. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. He can't be everywhere at once. He can't see the future. He's not even created enough, creative enough to figure out other ways to find out what the dream was. There is no other way to get inside someone's head and extract <laughs> this image that he doesn't even remember. Now, these magicians enchanters, Chaldeans, whatever translation you have, they'd done evidently some pretty impressive things up to this point. I'm guessing that because you go back to the days of Moses, and God is challenging Moses to go back to the Pharaoh's court and throw down your staff, put your hand in, and it's leprous, do this, do that. Well, he does. You know, so he does the the staff thing, it turns into a snake. Well, the other enchanters and astrologers do the same thing in Pharaoh's court. But God one-ups them by Aaron's staff gobbling up the other snakes. And these guys also duplicate the the turning the Nile into a river of blood. But when it comes to producing gnats, they failed. And then we don't hear of them anymore. Probably they've been put up on, on cleanup duty cleaning frogs and flies and dealing with boils. And as I'm thinking about this, did God ever use pagans to deliver his message? Well, we have the Christmas story, don't we? We have three wise guys, three kings, coming from an eastern land, following a star, and they were known possibly to be magicians, enchanters, an astrologer. God could have used one of these guys to interpret the dream and still brought glory to himself, but he chose instead to use Daniel. So again, I believe from Scripture that Satan is he's only able to suggest things into our minds. He can't read our minds. He's not all-knowing. He can't predict the future. There, therefore, any kind of suggestion coming from him would really only terrorize us. Is that what this is about? Is that the only purpose of, of Nebuchadnezzar's dream? Was a king haunted by a demon? I mean, he was terrified. And as king, especially the more we learn about Nebuchadnezzar, it's really inappropriate that he be terrified alone. So he's going to spread his terror to everybody else and include him in that, something that he was particularly good at. And so he makes this decree, and he says, you can't interpret my dream, you're dead men. Well, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, weren't there when this decree was made, made, but they're included in there. They were lumped together with these astrologers and chanters. They were lumped together with the wise men, figuring, well, all religious people are the same. They're a bunch of phonies message we may have heard before. And so Arioch, the guard, following orders, retrieves the four young men. And then Daniel, and I like this, scriptures say, spoke to Arioch with wisdom and tact. Probably a good idea to speak like that to a guy with an axe. And he then gave Daniel time to make a request of the king, So two things are happening here. One, a Babylonian guard listens to Daniel and grants him extra time, just like Joseph gaining the uh, confidence of the jailer or the apostle Paul when all the doors were thrown open when they were praying and singing hymns and the jailer almost killed himself. And Paul says, stop, you don't need to do that. And the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? God can work in any situation. And maybe this was the same garden back in chapter 1 that God caused to show favor and sympathy. And it cert- but it certainly seems like God's hand is on Daniel. And so Daniel asked to make a request of the king, which is a dangerous thing to do in this time. If you know from the book of Esther, Esther wanted to make a request of the king at the risk of losing her head. Because if the king was in a bad mood that day or didn't, you know, didn't like the look on your face, he could do away with you. Or he could put his scepter forward and say, okay, I'm ready to hear from you. Now according to chapter one, verse 17, it says Daniel had been given the ability to understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So Daniel evidently had done this before. He knew what this was about. But like the Babylonian staff, He had no power to know the dream. He had never done that. This was new. And so he had to be a bit frightened himself. And so Daniel does the most logical thing then and today. He calls together others to pray. And they pray specifically for Daniel to receive the dream and its interpretation. And so we're not immediately told that God does this until we get to the verse where Daniel basically writes this little hymn and says, I thank and praise you, O God of my ancestors. You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You've made known to us the dream of the king. And I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were gone. We get to live another day. And so Daniel, having the answer, he doesn't run into the palace and say, hey, I got the answer. He still practices Babylonian protocol, goes to Ariok and says, I need to see the king now. And I'm guessing he didn't have to wait too long. Nebuchadnezzar is still terrorized by this sense of uh, maybe doom or uh, just terror. And Ariok then uses the opportunity to do a little self-promotion. To the king, he says, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell what the dream means. The king, not fully convinced, asked Daniel, can you really do this? Now, Daniel could have had the same attitude and said, yeah, I can do this. No problem. But we learn in Daniel, and later on in the book, it's a bad idea to do a little self-promotion. Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 7 is standing on his uh, portico, his balcony, looking out at his kingdom and going, wow, what a great king I am. And what happened immediately after that? God had warned him through Daniel, don't do that. He begins to turn into sort of a beast. And he's driven out of his kingdom into the wild for seven years. And he gets off easy. We look fast forward to the New Testament in the book of Acts Herod is giving this incredible speech it must have been good because the people said whoa this is not just a man this is a God and Herod goes yeah I like that bad ending he was eaten by worms like I said PG-13 he was eaten by worms and he died don't take credit for what only God can do. That's a pretty good application to that, isn't there? Don't take credit for what only God can do. So Nebuchadnezzar asked Daniel, can you really tell me my dream and its interpretation? And Daniel says, no, (laughs) I can't do it. No wise man, no enchanter, magician, diviner can explain to the king the mystery he's asked about but there is a God in heaven who is all knowing, all powerful, everywhere at the same time. He doesn't say all oh, that, that's the implication. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. God knows the future, and God causes it in some mysterious way. Paul, in speaking to the Uh, people worshiping on Mars Hill discovers a statue to an unknown God. He says, let me tell you about this unknown God. And he goes on to say in verse 26, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. That's a powerful God. Now Daniel didn't have to do any magic tricks He didn't have to say, just a minute, king, and hold his temples and begin to say all kinds of funny words. He didn't levitate. He didn't have to read the stars. He had prayed. And the prayer accessed the God who is all-powerful, God who made the universe, God who is outside of time and space and loves his creation. Is that the way you approach prayer? Probably not every time. Sometimes I'm kind of lazy about my prayers, but I do pray. And I believe there's no such thing as unanswered prayer. God answers every prayer. And maybe that was Daniel's greatest fear. Because sometimes when we pray, what's the phrase? Sometimes I don't feel like my prayers, what? Go past the ceiling or whatever. Whatever. And that was pretty terrifying for Daniel because he's going, if God doesn't answer our prayers, guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to die. God's got to answer our prayers. But at the same time, fast forward to chapter 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I don't know where Daniel was, these three guys are faced with having to worship this image that the dream talks about, and they say, we can't do that. And they're about to be thrown into the furnace. And they make this great statement to Nebuchadnezzar, who's saying, you know, I have power over you. And these three guys say, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty. I love their politeness. (laughs) We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. That's got to be frustrating to an executioner. (laughs) Such confidence. So I believe God says yes. I believe he says no. And I think when he says no, I think he means I got a better idea. And he says not yet. Maybe there's some other translations of that. But I think those are the three answers we often get. There's no such thing as God not answering a prayer. He says something. God hears every prayer, and even Jesus himself tells us when we pray, don't give up. Some prayers take longer to get answered than others. You know, I have dozens of prayers that I lift up every day, and I haven't received definitive answers to all of them. But last week, I got a definitive answer. I got a yes answer. I love those kind of answers. (laughs) We were at training Uh, in colorado springs and we were training four college students to go to indonesia and part of that training is we get on a zoom call with the uh, country leaders uh, in 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 indonesia and they had just flown back and they were in quarantine they had quarantined quarantine for five days before they were let out of their hotel room before they could go back to their home there and they said the young lady Shanika, who we had gone through training with in september was dealing with vertigo. She'd never had this in her life, but you know, she was dizzy and uh, maybe having a hard time standing. And, and Tracy immediately said, well, let's pray for her. And so we prayed, just as we would pray for anybody who's sick or whatever. And then we went on with our meeting. Found out the next day that Seanica was healed. And so Chuck and Katie, the country leaders, said, hey, Told Chanukah, you know, what time did you feel like you were healed? I was about this time. She goes, ah, that's exactly when we prayed for you. So I love yes answers. But I praise God for no answers, too. No, Alan, you should not marry this woman. As a matter of fact, I've got this woman named Tracy. In five years, you're going to marry... No, he didn't give me all those details. But I got the no at 23, and I got the yes at 29. I didn't know, in that intervening period, what God was doing, but it was a good no. Amen? Amen. No, Alan, you shouldn't be the pastor of this church or that job. No, Alan, I will not fix your van for free. You gotta try, you know? I I still pray um, for my boy's salvation. I'm thinking it's a not yet. My brother who passed away four years ago from cancer, prayed for his children up to the day he died. His four children, four adult children. And I know they all haven't received the Lord. Is that a not yet? We're praying. I now we're praying for a, a house in Colorado Springs. Now, you know, a couple of months ago, I was talking to Matt Taylor, I'm gonna pick on Matt. He said, kind of jokingly, I'm going to pray that you can't find a house so that you have to stay here. Well, Matt, we're going to come live in your basement because we just sold our house here, so we got nowhere to live. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So how we pray, how we respond to the answers can build our faith, and we can become more effective disciples in building the kingdom. In our prayers, God wants us to look beyond our present situations. You're you're part of a bigger picture than your own little life. Your own little life is important, but it's part of the bigger picture. So Daniel got a yes answer. God told him the dream and the interpretation. And it just happened to be God's plan to save the life of his three friends and even save the life of the magicians, the enchanters, and the astrologers. Boy, they must have been really grateful, huh? On that day, Daniel was a hero. And we know we don't know how the staff reacted. They probably weren't too crazy about Nebuchadnezzar promoting Daniel to be over the whole kingdom, including over these other guys. Nebuchadnezzar actually falls on his face in front of Daniel, the terror of the dream. So he didn't, maybe he couldn't remember the dream, and as Daniel is reciting it, he's going, yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. Oh, what do I do with that? It gives him the interpretation. And then I'm just kind of picturing him relaxing, going, well, that's okay. Maybe like Hezekiah, I'll be dead and gone when all that happens. But then he actually says something that sounds like worship. Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal that mystery. The enchanters and the sorcerers, only a chapter later, turn in the three friends for not bowing down to the image. (laughs) They had no trust in God. But don't be so hard on them, because how many of us have had moments of crises, and we say, oh, God, get me out of this. You know, and I'll fill in the blank. We've all done that to some extent. We've made promises that we haven't fulfilled. So yes, God can dictate the times and the dates that we live in, but in a frightening way, we still have the ability to choose. How do these two things work together? How can God be completely over sovereign over everything, even our choices, and yet we still have the ability to choose? And the answer is I don't know, but he does. It does. That's the way it seems to work. So in REI, we, it's so fun to watch. So Tracy and I are going to be based in this country where we have so many friends who are going overseas expressing incredible faith. Jake and Hannah with 8-year-old Hadassah and 1-year-old Elam could not immediately get into Laos, which is right next to Vietnam. And so they flew to Thailand because that was an easy country to get in, and they settled there. (laughs) Who's willing to do that? And so they're waiting for the border to open so they can go across the river. It's literally, I think they're literally a couple of miles from where they need to be. But they're waiting. They're trusting God to bring them there. Shanika just moved into a home after her five-day quarantine, a home of Indonesians who don't speak English. Indonesian crash course. Four college interns that I told you about have begun raising money to go to Indonesia this summer, on top of all their college work, on top of everything else. Gary and Scarlett begin teaching English in Darcon, Mongolia tomorrow morning. Ron and Jean are still waiting Janine, are still waiting for their documents to get into Uzbekistan, where we have a, uh, an agreement with their government to start a university in conjunction with the Colorado School of Mines. And that's mines as in digging, not mines, mimes. People always mistake that. Jo- Josiah Yesiah and Sarah just got married over Christmas, they've been serving in Indonesia. Now they want to go open a country for REI in Africa. Each has dreams of serving God in ways maybe that nobody else has. They want to go to places that God they believe God has called them. I don't think any of them have, ne- have had Nebuchadnezzar-like dreams, but God has given them a faith, a trust in a God who knows the future, who is all-powerful, and who is all-loving. May we seek to follow this God, trusting him with our very lives because he loved us so much that he gave us his son who died on the cross for our sins so that we should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, if we ever have any doubt about your love for us, all we need to do is look at this table. Which represents your sacrifice, your breaking of your body, the shedding of your blood, so that we might spend eternity with you. We know that Daniel and his friends and his family and all the Jews had an inkling of what the Messiah would do, but they didn't have the complete truth. We, looking back, we have all of your word, we have knowledge that they could only imagine. God, help us to use that knowledge to glorify you. Help us to use that knowledge to bring others into the kingdom. May we have learned something from the book of Daniel that maybe we can choose to follow you in a bit of a different way today. May we go from here desiring to serve you, to build up your kingdom, to make disciples who make disciples so that your kingdom might be multiplied and might grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.